You're listening to the Sojourn Montrose podcast. For more sermons and content, visit sojournmontrose.org. All right, all right. My name is uh, Tony Villatoro, and I am the uh, uh, pastor of what will soon be Sojourn Spring Branch. And I am very excited about that. Thank you. I am very excited about that because um, it's, it's, like, it's like being on your favorite team uh, and you get to wear the jersey. You're in the bench for a little bit, but you get to wear the jersey at least. And what a pleasure it has been to be at the table with uh, Pastor Marshall and Reed and the pastors at Sojourn Heights um, for the past uh, few months just learning about Sojourn. Um, it, it was in 2010 when Sojourn Heights was planted that I made my way over uh, six years ago um, to uh, a basement of a church building that they were planting out of, and um, they got that started, and, and then you guys a few years later got started, and I'm so thankful to be a part of, of this uh, family of churches, and I thank you for your prayers. I thank you for um, your support. Um, and, and I am so excited to be here and open God's word and preach to you from it. Amen. Uh, la- last year, last year, my wife was working at a job where they decided to hand out uh, bonuses in October. Um, so two things came to mind. You'll get one in October and then hopefully you'll get one in December. But um, it was around the time when... Adele tickets went on sale, and I don't know, maybe you're going to judge me or not, but my wife and I, we love to hum Rolling in the Deep a lot. Um, that is kind of our time together, and, and, and it, 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 was, it was around that time when they went on sale, and we decided to get online and to purchase these tickets. And, 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 and that is what you do when you get a bonus, right? You purchase tickets to a concert that is going to happen a year from the day that you purchase the tickets. And, 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 and as we purchased the tickets, it didn't matter the length of time for November 2016. It didn't matter the trials that you would go through. It didn't matter what happened with Adele, what she tweeted, what she was about. It did not matter. You were sure that once we get to the Toyota Center and we presented our tickets, that we would have access to the venue and we would have a seat reserved for us and we could sing with thousands of people that we didn't know and have a great time. It it, it doesn't matter how long we have to wait to endure, right, first world problems, to endure the length of time but we knew that those tickets gave us access to that concert. And today, today, today we have something greater than a confidence, and we have something greater than an access to Adele concerts. Today, we know that we can endure anything that comes our way because we are confident in Christ. And because we are confident in this hope. And, and what the Holy Spirit is letting Christians know in these five verses that we just read is that there is a present and a future sense of glory that we get to rejoice over. 
The Holy Spirit inspired these words of Scripture to let us know that we can rejoice in our sufferings today as well as the glory of God. And, and this morning, this, this is my hope. I want to encourage you to stand firm on the grace of justification, who is Christ, so that we can have the strength to rejoice in our sufferings today and to rejoice in the hope of God's glory. It is, it is the grace of our justification that lets us rejoice in the sufferings now as well as give us a strength to rejoice in the coming glory of, of, of God. So that you follow me, I'm going to give you three little points here uh, just so that you can know where we are going today. And I want to point us to these three things. Number one, we get to stand on the grace of justification. Number two, we get to rejoice in the hope of God's glory. And number three, we get to also rejoice in the present suffering. So we read uh, verse 1 and 2, and, and let me recap it for us. And if you have your Bible open, you can read with me. And it says, chapter 5, verse 1 through 2, Therefore, therefore, since we have been justified by faith, we have what? We have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. Through him, we have also obtained what? Access by faith into this grace in which we stand and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. The first thing that the apostle calls us to do is to stand on the grace of justification. Now, as you know, every time that you, that you read the word therefore, you ask yourself the question, what is the therefore, right? And the therefore here is, is connecting an idea from the previous paragraph of chapter 4. And chapter 4 deals with the doctrine of justification. Can someone say justification? All right. According to J.I. Packer, this theologian, justification is a judicial act of God pardoning sinners, accepting them as just, and so putting permanently right their previously estranged relationship with him. Because our relationship with God has been strained by our sin by man's disobedience, by man's offenses towards this holy God, we, we need this justification. We need this pardon. Therefore, therefore points to, to that previous paragraph where, where, where the Old Testament saint Abraham comes into the picture. And this Old Testament, the father of our faith, the Bible says that his faith in, in, in chapter 4, verse 22, was counted to him as righteousness. His, his belief was counted to him as righteousness. And the Apostle Paul, in, in the previous verses, before getting to chapter 5, he says, but the words, it was counted to him for uh, his righteousness, was not written for his sake alone, but for ours also. It will be counted to us who believe in him who raised from the dead Jesus our Lord, who was delivered up for our trespasses and raised for our justification. So, so we believe that, 
that, that Christ died and, 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 and was resurrected for our justification. When, when we believe that, that he accepted you and I as just because of his work on the cross and because of his resurrection, that counts for us too. It's not only for Abraham, but it counts for you and for me. We are justified in his sight. And this morning, maybe you are thinking of what beach, because we have so many to head up to tomorrow, right? This morning, you're thinking about, uh, you know, what you're going to be doing tomorrow. But I want to call our attention for the next 15 minutes to let you know that we, that you and I are justified in his sight. We are justified in his sight. And this is the context of our text today. So, so with that, let me, let me repeat and say that this morning, this morning I hope that you are encouraged to stand firm on the grace of justification who is Christ so that we can have the strength to rejoice in today's suffering as well as in the glory of God. Now, now that we understand this context, now that we understand that justification means pardon, means salvation, means forgiveness, now that we understand this, we can recognize that there is peace between us and God. But this all happens when there is a belief, a faith, a trust in Jesus. The text is clear when it says that this happens through our Lord Jesus Christ. There are two benefits here that we see in the Scripture in verses 1 and 2, and this is what we receive as, as part of our justification. The first one is that we have peace. Someone say peace with God. All right, we're going to do a little bit of call and response today. Peace with God. Being able to have peace with God lets us know that there was a time and there is a possibility that we probably did not have peace with God. We probably did not have peace with Him, and this is true. Because without peace with God, there is strife, there is alienation, there is distrust, there is condemnation. And, and a Christian, Christian, if... if this is where we were. This is where we were. The Bible tells us that we were enemies of God. The Bible tells us that we were strangers to Him. The Bible tells us that we were children of wrath, children of disobedience. And there is a longing in that strange view that we had of God then. There is a longing in our hearts for peace. You get to see it. In the news every day. Headlines that make you shake your head and say it shouldn't be like this. In, in, in the world, in, in the country, in, in our city, in, in our homes, in our relationships, it should not be this way. Economic injustice, racial injustice, the immigrant uh, crisis, shootings, killings, abuses happening all over. And it grieves you and you sometimes get exasperated because you wish you could do something about it, but there is a desire for peace. There is a desire for peace, and this stems from a deeper desire in us that sin has fractured because it wasn't this way. In, in the beginning, in the beginning, God 
created a world where there was no strife. There was no alienation. There was no distrust. There was no condemnation. Not, not only was there an absence of conflict, but there was a fullness of, of all of God in the world in the beginning. But sin, sin, man's disobedience to God entered into the world and, and, and man's offense, man's insult, man's rebellion towards God made us distrust His plan, made us feel condemned, and we were covering ourselves up because we did not know what to do. But in God's sovereign plan, he loved us so much that He sent His only Son to take the punishment of our sin. And our belief in Him was what justified us in the sight of God. And, and this means that you and I can have a relationship with God and we don't have to tiptoe around Him anymore. We don't have to whisper while we are with Him anymore. This peace comes with access. We have access. We can come in and we can talk with Him and we can have access to Him. Through Him we have also obtained access by faith, the text says. We have come near to Him because He has opened the door for us. We have come close to Him because He has opened the door for us to come in. We have access. But let me tell you something. This, this is not... Because you and I were good. <laughs> this is not because you and I had the strength to, to muster it all up and go and, and do it and go and see him. No, no, no. No, John, John Murray, a respected systematic theologian, writes this. He says it better than I can. He says, even in our drawing nigh to God with confidence, we are dependent upon Christ's mediation. Even as we go to Him, we're dependent on Christ standing in the gap and saying, Come on, I'll take you to the Father. It is through Jesus that we have come to have access. And, 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 and this access is an abiding privilege resultant upon, upon the action which justification involves. In other words... Church, it is only through Jesus that we can have access. It is only through His mediation between God and man that this happens. Because we have been justified. All oh, this grace of justification, y'all. From the beginning, I want to let you know of these two benefits. Peace with God. Access to God. So the text says, verse 2, Through Him we have also obtained access by faith, and it says this, into this grace in which we stand. Since we have peace, since we have access, we are called to stand. Stand. With this, we could go wrong and we could think, man, I get to stand on access. On the access that I have to God, I get to stand on that. Or, or, or I get to stand on the peace with God. But this is not so. 
The reality is that those things are not what we stand on. Those are benefits that we receive of standing on something that is more certain than the feeling of peace or than the reality of access. The text tells us into this grace in which we stand. This grace, y'all, this grace is the grace of our justification, and, and, and that is Jesus Christ. We stand on Jesus Christ. We stand on the fact that you have been justified because of Jesus Christ. We stand on the belief that the grace that allowed us to have faith in Jesus has brought us peace, yes, has brought us access, yes, but we stand on Jesus, a more certain hope than the feeling of peace or than the reality of access. Our only justification today, y'all, is Jesus Christ. And in that we are called to stand. So what do we do? What do we do now? And the Apostle Paul tells us that we get to rejoice. Rejoice in the hope of God's glory. After standing on this grace, the second thing that we should do is rejoice in the glory of God. And the last part of verse 2 says, and we rejoice in the hope of the glory of God. God's glory, y'all, is the goal. That, that is our aim. And you ask me, what is God's glory? What is God's glory? The glory of God is the purpose that we should live today and forever. We should live for the glory of God. The Westminster Catechism asks the question, what is the chief end of man? And you may know this. Man's chief end, it says, is to what? To glorify God and to enjoy Him forever. That is the glory of God. This is what you and I were created for to glorify God, to enjoy God, to, to delight in Him, to worship Him. And this is something that you and I can do today. We are certain that our goal is to live our lives that glorify God. The glory of God is not only what we should live for and strive for, but the glory of God, number two, is something that we fall short of. <laughs> because you're probably saying, this is tough for me to do. I strive, but I fail. And I want to let you know, as Paul told the Roman Christians, that all have sinned and have fallen short of the glory of God. In this life, we, we will always fall short of it. We should, we should honor our relationships, but we don't. We should love this person, but we talk bad about them. I don't know if you've been there, but I've been there. We should, we should respect, we should love, we should care for, but sometimes we don't bat an eye and we keep going our way. The completeness, the wholeness of all that God is, is out of our reach. And we don't glorify God because we fall short of His glory. The glory of God also, it also has a future sense to it. Um, Titus chapter 2 verse 13 reads, that we are waiting for our blessed hope, <laughs> waiting for our blessed hope, the appearing of the glory of our great God and Savior, Jesus Christ. Th this is God's glory. 
something that will happen in the future. We are waiting to see it. Uh, Colossians, another book in the Bible, chapter 3, verse 4 reads, When Christ, who is your life, appears, then you also will appear with him in glory. This is another part of, of God's glory in the future and now. This part involves you. It says that you will also appear with him in glory. What, what joy, what amen should that bring to our lips and say, yes, I want to be a part of that glory. We not only wait for it, we not only will be with him, but we also will see a creation that is free from sin. And how we long for that day when Romans 8.21 could be a reality, will be a reality where it says that creation will be set free from its bondage to corruption and obtain the freedom, watch this, of the glory of the children of God. Check out God's glory being highlighted here. Man, when Christ appears, when we appear with him, when God transforms this world and sets it free from bondage of sin, then the fullness of God's glory will be displayed. Doesn't this bring you hope? Doesn't this bring you something to rejoice over and long for? Oh, I want to see that. These verses have brought out a few things about God's glory. God's glory is what we should aim for, but we fall short of it. God's glory has a future sense to it. So, so what do we do with these treasures? What, what do we do with these grace, great truths? What do we do with the grace of justification? What do we do with the hope of God's glory? The apostle tells us, rejoice. Rejoice in this hope. Rejoice in the hope of God's glory. He encourages us to exult, to, to rejoice, to be joyful, to glory in what? In the confidence that is the glory of God. And many of us today, many of us today will have trouble with this. Many of us today will struggle with this. Because it probably has been a while since we imagined, since we pondered, since we sat down and reflected and got caught in the wonder of what is that glory of God. But when we see that our goal is to enjoy and delight in God forever, when we see that, that this glory is unattainable Apart from Jesus Christ, when we see that, that there is a future glory that awaits us, we can pray for the earth to be filled with the knowledge of the glory of God as the waters cover the sea. So what do we do today? We, we stand on the grace of justification, but we also rejoice in the hope of God's glory. It is the grace of justification church that lets us rejoice in our sufferings now as well as in the hope of God's glory. The third thing, the third thing that we see <clears throat> the Holy Spirit telling us in this text is to rejoice in the present suffering. We stand on justification. We rejoice in the hope of God's glory. 
And now we rejoice in the present suffering. So look at verse 3. More than that, it says, it's plain and simple, we rejoice in our sufferings. Let's, let's unpack this because, because we can be here all day talking about the future hope of God's glory. And, and we say, oh, we can't wait for that to happen. And I am so excited to see that. But, but bring it home. Rejoice in today's suffering? That's a little bit harder. We can be here and long for that day whenever we are with Jesus. <clears throat> but to rejoice in today's suffering, that's a little bit more difficult. And one thing, church, that we have to understand is that the Christian experience is one that expects suffering. This kind, this type of suffering is a sense of, of persecution for, for sharing your Christian views. And there are Christians in the world today <clears throat> who are suffering in this way. Also, this is the kind of suffering that Jesus knew that his followers would have and would experience. And, and he told his disciples... In John 16, he says, in, in, in the world you, you will have tribulation, but take heart, he says, I have overcome the world. In other words, Jesus was telling them, hey, you're going to suffer. You're going to go through it. And, 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 and likewise, Paul is telling his readers, and by extension, he is telling us that we also will suffer. But take heart, Jesus says. But rejoice, Paul says, in our sufferings. This kind, this type of suffering is connected to endurance and to character. So, so, so suffering is not only that we, that we sometimes experience persecution or, or you know, a, a frown from a friend when we try to explain to him the Jesus life. This, this kind of suffering is connected to endurance for Christ and to a godly character. Well, this suffering also goes into the everyday of life. When, when you're seeing the dream of buying a house, and if you live around here, it, it's escaping. <clears throat> we live in Spring Branch, and it, it, it's almost escaping there. So when you see your dream of buying a house slip through your fingers, when, when you are finding no progress in your life and you are 30. I'm about to be 31 in a few months and I'm just like, whoa, slow down. When you're 35, when you're 40, when you're 45 and you're, you're seeing no progress in, in, in your emotional life or in your spiritual life or in your financial life, wherever, when, when you get the bad news from the doctor, when, when you are swimming in debt because of school and you don't know how you can get out of it. Anything that causes you to grow in Christ, church. Paul tells us, as he told those Christians in Rome, rejoice in your sufferings. It, it, it may be easier for us to look to the future and say, I can't wait, but what about now? And sometimes Christians have this sense of waiting for the future and not living in the now. And I want to encourage you today that 
that as you rejoice in the hope of God's glory, you can also rejoice in your present sufferings. What is your attitude to the isolation that you feel from, from a group of friends because of your Christian views? What is, what is your attitude to the alienation that you sense whenever you try to tell somebody, man, I've been there, or, or man, I'm trying to help with these words. I'm trying to speak truth and love to you, but they reject it. How, how do you take bad news about your health? How, how do you take another no from God? <laughs> and it's been years, you've been asking him for something, and you're just like, God, I'm trying to serve you, I'm trying to please you. How do you take another no from God? How, in your suffering, how do you see God? How, how, how can I suffer for so long, you may ask? And I'm not saying to avoid your feelings. I hope that we can learn to grieve and grieve well, whatever that means, right? Let's figure that out. What I, what I mean is, do we submit our feelings to the lordship of Jesus? That's what I mean. Do we stand on the grace of our justification when those things happen in our life? See, this is where we rejoice. This is where we don't cower and duck because of the hostility that we receive or we feel. This is, this is where we stand firm in the grace of our justification because it is in standing firm that we get to rejoice. Why? Because as we rejoice in our sufferings, the text says endurance is built in our lives. When we rejoice in our suffering, that endurance, it brings character to our lives. And this character makes us see our difficult circumstances with hope. Endurance, character, hope. And I don't know if you caught it, but suffering is the starting point that takes us to the finish, which is hope. It starts with suffering. And it ends with hope. Mm. The rejoicing in the present is linked to the rejoicing in the future. And there is hope because there has been suffering. I just got to go to Jesus now. The author of Hebrews writes that for the joy that was set before Jesus, what did Jesus do? Despising the shame, he endured the cross. He despised the shame. And now he is seated at the right hand of the throne of God. Je Jesus, Jesus, our Savior, the one that we just sung to, the one that we prayed to, Jesus found a joy in his suffering. God's plan was for, for him was to suffer a death that, that he did not deserve so that justification could be brought to those who believe. So much was this suffering that while, you remember, while he was in the Garden of Gethsemane, he was praying to the Father and he said, Father, if you're willing, remove this cup from me. I don't want to suffer. But in the same breath, oh, and, and Jesus, y'all, he struggled the way that you and I struggle with this. I don't want to suffer. I don't know how I can get out of this. Remove this thing from me. I don't want another no from you, God. 
But in the same breath, Jesus, in the garden, he said, nevertheless, not my will, but yours be done. The author of Hebrews writes that there was a joy in front of Jesus to fulfill God's plan, that he endured suffering for that glory of God. What we must understand this morning is that the sufferings of of this present world pushes us to a patience that we we don't have yet. The sufferings of this present world pushes us to a steadfastness and character that we probably don't have yet. Steadfastness is that spiritual maturity that we probably don't possess yet. And lastly, it doesn't push us to patience only. It doesn't push us to maturity only, but it pushes us to hope. Rejoice. Rejoicing brings us endurance. It brings us character. And it brings us hope, y'all. The last thing, I'm going to sneak in another point. Kind of tricked you, but it's all right. We're about to finish. The last thing I want to leave you with with this is, is that there is a certainty to our hope. There is a surety to our hope. Paul writes in verse 5 that this hope does not put us to shame. What confidence here. What security here that we find out that this hope does not put us to shame. This hope does not disappoint us. This hope does not embarrass us. It's not like you buy in the car at the dealership and two years later you got to switch out the transmission. It's not like you go into it and you don't know how it's going to turn out. No, from the beginning, we know that this hope does not disappoint. This hope does not embarrass. This hope is something that we can boast in, something that we can rejoice in, something that we can glory in. And and, and he gives us a reason. And he he says, because God's love has been poured into our hearts through the Holy Spirit that has been given to us. God's love is why. God's love mediated through the Spirit is why. This certainty, this certainty of our hope cannot get any clearer, y'all. Do you see the layers in verse 5? God's love being poured out in abundance by the Holy Spirit. I don't know if you caught that, but it cannot get any more reassuring than this picture. Picture God's love. This is huge already being poured out, being gushed out. This is, this is greater still. <laughs> Through the Holy Spirit, this blows your mind. Layers after layers of reassuring. A few verses down in verse 8, this love is displayed when Paul writes, but God shows His love for us in that while we were still sinners, what? Christ died for us. This love of God that does not emanate from us, but it comes from Him to us. This love of God who is Jesus Christ is brought to our attention through the Holy Spirit. Certainly there is no shame in this. Certainly there is no disappointment or embarrassment in this hope. See, much greater is the certainty of our hope when we find out that it's God's love being poured out by the Holy Spirit. After chewing on it for a bit, you find out, man, this is good. Layers after layers of it. 
And the question that we have before us today is, what are you rejoicing in? What are you rejoicing in? Is what you are rejoicing in disappointing you today? Is what you put your, your, your joy and your, your delight today, will it disappoint you tomorrow? What, what, what is it that you're clinging to today? Is, is, it, a, is it a career? Is it November 4th? Is it, is it your perfect Pinterest home, right? You have all those boards. I think that's what it is, the boards. My wife does a lot of that. Is, is it your children? Is it your education? Is it, is it the future of where you will be when you turn 25, 30 years old, sooner or later, all of these things will disappoint. But there is a hope. There is a certain hope. There is something that you can cling to today. There is something that you can hold on to today that only comes from a hope that does not disappoint. This hope that does not embarrass, this hope that does not put us to shame is only found in Jesus. And, and as we stand on Jesus, as we stand on who He is and what He has done on the cross and through His resurrection, we can rejoice in our sufferings today. I want to encourage you to stand firm on the grace of justification, which gives us the strength to not only look to the future, but rejoice in your present sufferings. Let's pray. Father, we thank you so much for your word. And I pray today that it would sink deep into our hearts. I pray today that um, we can read the text and we can remember that as we rejoice in our present sufferings, this pushes us to be patient. This pushes us to spiritual maturity and this pushes us to uh, hope and what a hope that we have today it does not disappoint it does not embarrass it does not put us to shame and today we are called to stand on this grace may we do so today may we stand on the grace of our justification in jesus name amen